you're, I want you to stand with me. Let's pray together. All across this place, let's stand. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that you're here in this place. Lord, already you're doing incredible things. People are being transformed and changed, healed, encouraged. Lord, continue. Lord, what you're doing this morning, give us ears to see. Give us eyes to hear, Lord. Change us. I want everybody to pray. Speak to my heart. I want everyone, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Can we give Jesus praise as you're seating, being seated this morning? Thank you, Lord. Y'all don't go anywhere because I'm probably going to have you sing a song here in a second. Um, we started last week, uh, for those of you that weren't with us, we started a series called Fullness of Faith. And uh, it was, I, I got, I, I walked up to the pulpit with about five or six pages of notes, and I think I got through half a page. So uh, it, was a, it was a great day, and I know the Lord has been speaking to people the testimonies and such. But anyway, um, after service, I was driving, and the Lord, have you ever had, had the Holy Spirit just capture your attention in just a quick moment and kind of catch you off guard uh, when He speaks to you, just says something out random, just catches you? Anybody or just me this morning? So that, that moment happened for me. And I was driving down the road, and the Holy Spirit, He just he caught my attention. He said, what would it look like? If this church, he said if the church, but this church, and I knew he was talking about our church, what would it look like if this church walked in fullness of faith? And I have to say, it caught me off guard, as I already mentioned, it caught me off guard, and I said, well, Lord, only you know what the possibilities of that. I mean, Scripture tells us, and we talked about it, uh, all things are possible to him who has faith, to him that believes. If you have faith, all things are possible. I thought, all things, what, what could that look like? What could that look like in your life if you began to walk in faith and, and saw what the Lord was doing, heard what He was doing? Faith, If faith is our spiritual perceptivity, if it's the ability to see what God is doing in the unseen world around us, what, would, what could your life look like if you walked and lived a life of fullness of faith? Wow, what could change and, and how you talk? What could change in your family? Come on now, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. What could change in how you talk and how you live, in your health, in your finances, right? And what you do in ministry, how you engage with the Word of God. I mean, there's, there's a lot of possibilities that can happen when we begin to walk in the fullness of faith. Well, anyway, so I've been, I've been stirring on that all week. I've been sitting with that and just kind of letting that ruminate, letting that word just kind of ruminate. And Lord, you, you know, only you, only you really know what fullness of faith could look like at Celebration Church. If our people were really to get this, only you. Lord, what are the possibilities? And this morning, again, the Lord caught me off guard. Uh, Y'all can, if you want to just start that song, that would be great. The Lord caught me off guard, and um, you're going to have to get on your feet for this. I, I apologize if you feel like you're in a Catholic church 
up and down, up and down, up and down. I just, you know. Just, you're going to get a workout this morning. But anyway, so this morning, again, the Lord caught me off guard. I wasn't planning on doing any of this. As a matter of fact, if you really know me, you would know that I'd prefer not to do any of this. Uh, but but he, he, caught, he caught me off guard again. And I was, I was over here praying. And something was up anyway, because... All we have a we have a ministry. I got, so you have to understand the whole story. I'm sorry. So we have we have a ministry for those that don't know called Pastors Prayer Partners, and we these are people who are committed to pray for our pastoral team every day. And then on Sunday mornings before service, we have pre-service prayer at 9:30, and that team, different ones from that team, every week pray over our different pastoral team. And and so I was sitting here. And a couple of the regulars came up and prayed for me, but it wasn't the usual prayers. And then there was people who didn't usually come pray for me, prayed for me, and they were praying unusual prayers. And and so my ears perked up. I was like, okay, God, you're doing something. Because they're all praying unusual prayers, specific things that they don't usually pray. It's not just the random, Lord, bless our pastor. We thank you for a great servant. You know, all those are the great Kool-Aid prayers. They're, you know, they were great, but, you know, it's like these were different. And uh, this song came on. And in this song, Pastor Grace, you're going to have to help me. It talks about the army, so you're going to have to There's an army rising up. Okay, yeah, don't go anywhere yet, because you're going to go somewhere. We're all going to go somewhere, because you you're catching it before I get there. So that's great. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all can play. Just don't sing it, because we're going to go somewhere. And you're, we're going to go there. So anyway, so that comes on. I hear an army rising up hear an army rising up, and I hear it. And the Holy Spirit reminds me of the question, what would it look like? And then he, and then he, and then he took me to this verse, because you know, I'm all about the Bible. So everything, if you're hearing from the Lord, that's great, but it's going to line up with the word and he's going to give you a scripture. So he gave me a scripture, Jeremiah 50 verse 9. Jeremiah 50, verse 9, out of the New Living Translation, it says this, I am raising up an army of great nations from the north. (laughs) That has personal meaning to it as well. For I am raising up an army of great nations from the north. They will join forces to attack Babylon. Now, Babylon in the Bible is a, is a symbol of sin and darkness and evil. They will join forces to attack Babylon, sin, evil, darkness, and Babylon will be captured. So, he's raising up an army, nations from the north. They will join forces. There's unity. They will join together, unity, unified, to attack sin, to attack evil, and evil sin she will be captured 
And the enemies, listen to this, your arrows, the enemy's arrows, the army's arrows will go straight to the mark they will not miss. Have you ever felt like you were you were trying to move forward and you didn't know, you were just kind of shooting arrows in the dark. You didn't know where you were going. You're just kind of aimlessly shooting, aim, just hoping it would make it start. Faith enabled. This is, this is everything we talked about last week. Faith enables you to see the target that you can't see with the natural. It enables you to see exactly where you need to hit. It enables you to see exactly what mark you're after. And you're able to aim the arrow, pray, and to worship, and to intercede, and to pray in the Spirit, and hit the target, not just randomly, but to hit its mark. So anyway, I hear there's an army. There's an army rising up. Sing this over you. Prophesy it. There's an army. It's rising up. There's an army. It's rising up. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. There's an army. Rising up, yes, there's an army rising up, there's an army, it's rising up, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, there's an army rising up there's an army rising up
Romans says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. It's the dunamis of God. It's the, it's the miraculous power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just, say that with me, the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell somebody next to you, say, you're going to live by faith. You're going to live by faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you can be seated, you can. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I hope that gets in your spirit this morning. The just, the righteous shall live by faith. This isn't just believing Faith is not just believing something. Faith is the evidence. It's the conviction of it. It's the reality of it. it can't, it's not something that you can drum up. You can't just work to replace doubt in your mind and say, self, get rid of doubt. I'm going to have faith. Faith is imparted to you by the Lord. Faith is imparted to you by the Lord. And the righteous shall live by faith. In Hebrews 12, 2, just kind of recapping last week, we were reminded to look to Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to Him. We set our eyes on the risen Savior. We set our eyes on the fulfillment of our faith. We fix our eyes on the One who perfects our faith. We set our eyes on the One who imparts faith into our very being. We set our eyes on the holiness, on the glory of God. You know, Jesus came. Jesus came to be the the manifestation of of God Himself. He came, He stepped into creation so that you and I could have a tangible representation of the Father. That we wouldn't have to guess what God looked like. We wouldn't have to guess what God thought like. We wouldn't have to guess about the compassion of the Lord. We wouldn't have to guess about the love of the Lord. Jesus came. The Bible says that He was the Word made flesh. He was God made flesh and he came and he stepped into creation for you and I so that our eyes could see the father, that there would be no second guessing. There would be no more shadows. There would be no more types and shadows of things to come, but we would be able to see him with our own eyes today. You can see him. You can see the father in the person of Jesus Christ. You can see, you can set your eyes on the author of your faith today. There's no, there's no second guessing where faith comes from today. There's no types and shadows that we have to look at to try to have faith. We can look at the risen Savior today. We can. All we have to do is open up the pages of the Word of God. All we have to do is open up His Word and see Jesus manifested on these pages. 
Jesus. All we have to do is just stand here and worship Him and let Him wrap His arms around you today. There's no second guessing that Jesus is in this room today. He's, he's, in, he's alive in the Word of God, but He's alive in this room today as well. I feel His presence all around me. I, I feel His love all around me. I feel His joy stirring up on the inside of me. I feel His peace working in my life. So faith for me is tangible. It's real. The Bible says it's the evidence. It's the conviction. It's the reality. This isn't something that I just believe. It's I, I know that it's real. I know that he's here. I know you may not be able to see him, but he's here. He's closer. He's, he's in your face right now. He's closer than you can imagine. He's closer than you can imagine. If you'll just have the eyes of faith to see, you might be sitting next to a friend or a family member, or a spouse or relative, or maybe somebody you don't even know, maybe somebody you don't even like. But Jesus, I've got news for you. Jesus, he's here and he's walking these aisles. He's walking your pew and he's right there with you. And so faith the righteous shall live by faith because we set our eyes not on the things that we see in this world, but we set our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. It doesn't mean that the health diagnosis isn't real. It doesn't mean that the situation that you're facing isn't real. Oh, it's absolutely real. The problems in this life are absolutely real. The sinfulness and the impact of sin on this world is absolutely real. Jesus talked about this. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. The effects of sin on this world are absolutely real. It's called sickness. It's called disease. It's called death. It's called bondage. It's called lies. It's called brokenness. But through the eyes of faith, I can see past the brokenness. I can see past the bondage. I can see past the abuse. I can see past the uncertainty. I can see past the, the problems in my marriage or the problems in, in the family or the problems and where I can see past that and see what God is doing through the eyes of faith. It's a certainty of knowing because we fixed our eyes as you're running this race. You know, Hebrews 12, too, that whole verse is, let us set our eyes, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. We're running a race. You and I are in a race it's an eternal race. It's in a marathon. It's not a quick, it's not a quick sprint. It's a marathon. And if you're, if your eyes get distracted off of Jesus, it's easy to lose faith. It's, it's easy to allow the, the, the rooting of faith to go by the wayside in your life if you don't have your eyes fixed on the prize set before you. But just like Jesus, that, that same passage of scripture that says, let us set our eyes on the author and the finisher, it also says, who the joy set before him endured the cross. How could one find joy in the crucifixion? He had his eyes set on the promise. He had his eyes set on what was to come. He saw through the eyes of faith what was to come. He wasn't fixated on the moment trouble. He wasn't on the momentary trouble. He wasn't fixated on the pain that he was suffering. He was fixated. His eyes saw the promise of the 
Father that there is going to be you and a me sitting in these pews someday that needed an encounter with His love. He saw your hopelessness and He saw your despair. He saw the pit that you find yourself in. He he saw on that cross the addictions and the pain and the suffering of your life. And He said, for this reason, I find joy in what I'm doing. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. He saw you. And He said, the eyes of faith, I'll endure this. So we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. There's a covenant of faith that you and I are a part of. We talked last week about the covenant of faith. That we have a covenant with God. And the, the life that we live, we live according to this covenant. If you don't, you know, if you sign an agreement for your house or to, for a car or whatever it is that you purchase or you enter into a contract for services, you sign an agreement. And if you or any party in that, in, a, in, in that agreement break the agreement, you can be held responsible for what you broke. If you're a business owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've bought a home or any of those things, if you break whatever the stipulations are of that agreement, you are responsible for what you broke. God does not break His covenant. And the awesome thing about it is, He never asked for your signature. (laughs) He never asked for you to pull up to the table and say, here's the contract of your redemption. Gabriel, please make sure they sign on the dotted line before this thing is a done deal. He never did that. He signed the contract of your redemption with his own blood and his own name. He's done it. He's done the work. He's done the work. He's completed the work. And he's faithful to fulfill the contract. He's faithful to, to fulfill the covenant of faith that you and I have entered into. I want to continue just a thought for a moment on the, on the covenant of the Lord. I'm going to, I was going to, I'm all over the place. I, uh, I, I want to talk about the covenant of the Lord. Just for a moment, this, this covenant we've entered into. If you, hadn't, if you haven't heard last week's message, you can get it online. And I would encourage you to do that on our website or Facebook, wherever. But this covenant of God that we're in, it operates the laws within the covenant. You know, there's a covenant that's signed. And within in a covenant, within a contract, there are stipulations. There are clauses. There's, there's, you know, individual, whether it's confidentiality or whatever the case is. There's various elements, uh, NDA, you know, all the different things that are compiled into this. Uh, arbitration or, you know, liability, all the things. Well, in God's covenant, there are laws built in to that covenant. And when we understand how God's covenant works, we understand how faith works. Because it's a covenant of faith. Everything that we do in the kingdom operates by faith. You know this morning, if you're born again, you know that you're born again. Not because I'm here telling you that. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit bears witness with us. We know by faith... Nobody can can tell me otherwise. I know that I know that I know. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. And there's nothing you can do about it. Period. I know that I know that I know that I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's no question about it. 
You can't tell me that some devil gave it to me or that doesn't exist or, or all that ended back with you. No, there's, sorry, it's a hopeless cause. Why? Move on. Go on to something next. Yeah, it ain't going to work. Why? Because there's faith at work in my heart, in my life. It's changed me. Faith will change you. Yes, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. We need to be changed. But this covenant of faith has laws built into it. So let's talk about those real quick. So this covenant in Jeremiah 31, 33, it tells us that God takes our heart and He writes His Word on our heart. So we are given a new heart. The law of God is no longer inscribed on stone. It's written on our heart. So the law of God's covenant, we have a new heart. We have a new heart. Tell somebody next to you, you've been given a new heart. Thank God. When you, when you come to Christ, He changes your desires. He changes your emotions. You're no longer living for self. He changes that. He awakens your heart. Ezekiel uh, 36, 26 tells us He takes out the stony heart. No longer is He looking for stone to write on. He's looking on for a heart of flesh. He's not going to write His law on a stony heart. He takes out that stony heart, that hard heart, the cold heart, the things that are apathetic to the Lord, the heart that's lukewarm to the Lord. He takes all that out and He replaces it with a vibrant heart that's beating, that's alive. Now this is symbolic. He obviously is not taking out your physical heart, but He's taking out your soul. He's dealing with your soulish man. He's dealing with that, that natural self, your soulish man, so that you're no longer captured and enslaved to the things of this world, but you now see and hear and perceive things through the eyes of faith, a new heart. So part of the God's law that's at work is that He's given us a new heart. The reason that this is important, this, this law that's at work within us, it's not, this isn't a, a law of our own doing. This isn't something that you and I can create or make happen. God supernaturally reaches into our life and transforms and changes us from one glory to the next, the Bible says. From one place, one degree of glory to the next. He's constantly changing and metamorphosizing our life. So, when you're operating through faith, when you're living this life of faith and you're walking on this journey of faith, walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Lord, you, when, when trials come, anybody have trials? <laughs> anybody have temptation? When they come, you have a new heart. You have a fleshly heart, a heart that's awakened to the Lord. And all of a sudden, when, before you knew the Lord, you would just, it didn't matter. None of those things matter. You just did whatever you wanted to do because you lived for yourself. But now all of a sudden, there's something stirring on the inside of you. You don't want to say the things that you shouldn't be saying. You don't want to do the things. There's a conflict in your life. There's a noticeable change, a noticeable difference. I don't want to live that way anymore. There's a change, there's a transformation that happens. So if you find yourself dealing with, with temptations and trials, have you ever been in a place of a trial? Maybe this is just me. Maybe, maybe I'm just talking to myself on this one. But when you faced a hard time 
and you just told yourself, oh, you got to have more faith, Prosser. You just got to get it together. You just got to just pull yourself up. You just got to believe more. You got to just press through this. Get over it. Suck it up, buttercup. Those are my, those are, those are, those are, no, those are my, that's my cliche statement. Suck it up, buttercup. Get over it. Anybody been there? And it doesn't matter how hard you try to suck it up, buttercup. It just doesn't get any better. I'm trying to suck it up, but it ain't working. It ain't working. I'm still depressed. I'm still discouraged. I'm still in this trial. It ain't going away. Isn't it good to know that God changes our hearts? That I don't have to try to suck it up, buttercup. I can come broken. I can come discouraged. I can come whatever it is and lay it at his feet and say, I need a heart change again, Lord. I need a heart change. Transform my life again. Here's another area of my heart that needs to be awakened. Here's another area of my heart that needs transformed. (laughs) That's faith. Faith says that God can transform your heart in the middle. The trial is there to test your faith. That's what James tells us. The whole reason it's there is the proving of and the testing of your faith. So the whole reason you're in the mess that you're in, and the whole reason you have the situation, is that God is perfecting your faith. Even if you were stupid and got yourself in the problem in the first place. Because the likelihood is you did. But even if you did... And maybe you didn't. Maybe somebody did something to you or life happened. Regardless, you're at where you're at. And it's for a reason of the testing and the perfecting of your faith. Now's not the time to quit. Can I talk to somebody this morning? (laughs) Now is not the time to give up and say, I'm going to throw in the towel. I've tried the church thing. I've tried the God thing. I've tried the this thing. All you're doing is rubbing Buddha's belly. That's not how it works. God is not, he's not Buddha. <laughs> he's the way, the truth, and the life. If you'll come to him and say, transform my heart. Change me. Change me. He's faithful. Don't quit. Don't give up. You're just on the verge of a breakthrough. If you'll just press into Jesus. Stop running from people. You know, church people are the worst. They want to run and hide. They run and run and hide. Don't yeah. I don't want you to know my business. I don't want you to know what's going on. I don't want you to in my. Listen, we are in your business. We are in this together. I understand. There's times and places. I get that. But we are in each other's business. We are in a covenant together. We're in a body together. My arm cannot say to my other arm, I don't like you, so I'm no longer going to be in this body with you. Come on, don't shout me down. I don't want to be in this body with you. I don't like how you look. I don't like how you talk. I don't like how you smell. You know, that's not how it works. So a life of faith says, Lord, change me. And you know what he's going to do? He's got you in a body of believers. They're going to help you and walk with you. Don't quit. You're on the verge of your breakthrough. Faith sees what's just around the corner. Faith sees just what's around the corner. He's changing your heart. He's changing your heart. Hallelujah. 
So he is, he's changing our heart. The other law that's at, at work is that the Bible tells us that he makes us his own. He makes us his own. This is important. This is really important. <laughs> that a part of the covenant of God is that you are no longer of your father, the devil. That's how you used to operate. You used to function. The Bible tells us in Romans that you used to be under the, fa- the, the father of lies. Used to fun. Yeah. Don't get mad at me. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> you, you, were, you, were in, you were in the family of the lion devil. And everything you did was deceitful. And a lie. And gross and disgusting. It was all under the devil. You talked like the devil. You look like the devil. Some of you still do. You still talk like the devil. You still look like the devil. That's okay. You can change families today. The great news is, is that there, it's open adoption season in the house of the Lord. <laughs> it is open adoption always. And, and Jesus walks into the adoption agency, and this is what he, he does. He adopts you. He comes and finds you. Nobody else wanted you. If you thought you were all special, I'm sorry to tell you, no one wanted you. You were under the control of the devil. You smelled like him, looked like him, talked like him. Nobody wanted you. Jesus wanted you. Jesus wanted you. And he walked in right into that room, and he saw that brat of a kid off in the corner who was snot-nosed, snotty brat, and said, I want that one. And he's made you his own. He's adopted you in. One of the Bible words to describe this is he's grafted you. Where it's like taking, you know, where you take a piece of, uh, of a vine or a piece of a tree and you cut it and you, you split it and you stick in a seedling of another tree. And it, it's grafted in, begins to grow as the, as the original tree or the original vine. You weren't part of that original tree. You were cast off. You were in sin. But God saw you in your mess and said... I, they, they don't even have the ability to produce fruit. They don't even have the ability to produce fruit. They don't even have the ability to look godly. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to graft them in. I'm going I'm I'm to send Christ. He's the stump that's been cut down for you and I, Isaiah 60 says. And, and, and I'm going to graft them in so that the fruitfulness can come in their life. That's adoption. You know, you, now we have new DNA because you've been grafted in. You've been brought in. You have new heavenly DNA in your body. You are no longer under the old DNA of the devil. You have the DNA of your heavenly Father flowing in you. You, you are joint heirs, co-heir with Christ. Your brother called Jesus Christ. His, that same DNA, that same nature, the same mind, the same way of operating, the same authority, all of it is flowing in you and flowing in me today. Because He's made me His own.
because he's made me his own. I have room at the table. There's a marriage supper of the Lamb coming someday where we're going to sit down in heaven and it's going to be a perpetual party. It's, it's an unending, never dying. Oh, whoo, glory. <laughs> I can't wait. I, it, the party ain't ending. It ain't stopping. We get to pull up to the table. And because he's made me his own, I have a seat at the table. I have a seat at the heavenly table, the marriage supper of the Lamb. I have access because he's made me, made me his own. I have access to the Father. I don't need some high priest. I don't need some pastor. I don't need anyone. Thank God for his leadership. You don't need me to access the Father. I, I had someone stop by and tell me a testimony this week, and I'm not going to embarrass the person but by saying who it was. But they stopped by uh, my office. They said, I just, I got to tell you a testimony is that I felt like the Lord told me and, and to the person that told me this testimony, if I get it wrong, please forgive me. I'm going to try to get it perfect, but you know me. I'm going to try. But anyway, so they stopped by and they said, I felt like I needed to go by the hospital. I had a friend that was in the hospital, and I needed to go to the hospital and pray for this person. But they, had a, they, had a, they used to have a problem with me, but I knew that I needed to go pray for this person. And I just thought, I am not an ordained minister. I can't just walk into the hospital and pray for them. I can't do this. I'm not, a, I'm not like you. I can't do this. I can't just walk into the hospital and pray for people. But I felt like I needed to. And so I walked into the hospital. And, and they, they just ushered me right into the room. They took me right into the room. And this person looked at me and said, What the H-E-L-L-L are you doing here? And I said, I came to pray for you. <laughs> okay then, well let's pray. <laughs> and they let them pray for them. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you Jesus. So did he just pray, did he just say that from the microphone? I sure did. I wanted you to understand. You don't need to be an ordained pastor to access the throne room of God. That moment, that person had a life-changing moment that they could walk into a hospital with the authority of Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to pray for you, you ugly thing. You curse me out. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to lay hands on you. That's why I came. Hallelujah. <laughs> I have access. I have access to the throne of God because of this covenant of faith. I have access. You have access to the throne of God. You don't need me or anyone else. You know, thank God. You know, there's, a, there's an understanding of spiritual authority that we need to have. But that doesn't mean that you are dependent upon me or any of our pastoral team to access God and all of the spiritual blessings that are available to you. Actually, if you want to know how this works. Anybody want to know how this works? If you want to know how this works, when you access the things of God and you begin to dive in and prayer and studying the word and finding out all that's available to you in the in scripture and you begin to dive into those things and access those things, it's your pastoral team, it's our pastor's job to equip you with those things. And you say, hey, the Lord's speaking to me about this. Hey, I feel like God's releasing a gift in my life. Hey, I feel the Lord's... And guess what? You now have a team of people who have walked that journey 
journey before. You have a team of people who are anointed and being used of the Lord to walk with you and equip you and those very things that God's doing in your life. Now, if you don't have anything going on in your life and you're not accessing anything, then you don't understand the power and the importance of the pastor. Right? But when you have God moving in your life and things are happening and you're walking out this life of Christianity and God's speaking to you and moving in your life, then you begin to understand, wow, this is how it all works together. This is how God equips me. And sometimes it's not always easy. I've had, I've had people tell me, well, the Lord spoke to me. No, He didn't. That is not a word from the Lord. That is a word from your wishful thinking. If it was a word from the Lord, it would not be contradicting His word. I've, I've, whew, I've heard so many flagrant things that people call the Word of God. I mean, they're false. I mean, it's, all it is is try, it's, you're just trying too hard. You don't have to try that hard. You don't have to be a superhero in the kingdom. Just be you. Since you don't have to be a superhero in the kingdom of God, just be you. You don't have to look like you got it all together and got it all figured out. Just be you. You don't have to give the latest, trendiest, prophetic word that changes the entire trends and directions of the body of Christ. Most of those things are... Anyway, just moving on. It's somebody selling a book is what it is. What you need... Yeah, you know it's true. What you need is to get with the Lord and dive into Scripture. Come on now. And let Him speak to you from His Word. From His Word. Let Him illuminate things from, from His Word. And then we got something to talk about. we got something to work with. So He's given you access. He's given you access to His throne. He's given you access to every spiritual blessing. When, because He's made you His own. So that's two I think I'm at point two. Number three. got to hurry this up. Number three. I haven't even got to where I wanted to go. Number three. He, he liberates... Thank you. <laughs> because of the covenant of faith, we're liberated from the law of sin and death. You and I are liberated from the law of sin and death. By the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So there's two laws at work here. Romans 8.2 and 2 Corinthians 3.17 talk about this. Romans 8.2, 2 Corinthians 3.17. We no longer operate according to the law of sin and death. But we operate according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We operate according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the law of faith and operation. You know, let me just explain this in more practical terms. If you get on, if you go out to Akron Canton Airport and you get, you board one of the 747s or whatever, you get on one of those planes on your Delta, United, Southwest, whatever, and that, that plane, I mean, that, it's pretty, you know, it's a plane, and you, you get on that plane and you, you taxi out 
to the runway, there's a law in effect, right? And it's called the law of gravity. You and I have our feet firmly planted on this ground because of the law of gravity. That plane is, seat, is not seated, but it's, you know, it's, you know what it is. It's not seated, but it's there. It ain't going anywhere off the ground, right? It is on the ground because of gravity. It's not floating off into outer space. But there's another law that can supersede the law of gravity. It's called the law of lift. And when that law of lift kicks in, if you can get fast enough and have aerodynamics and have everything just right, then you can break the law of gravity and you can begin to soar 10,000, 30,000, 40,000 feet. Because, and, and not, just, not just go up that high, you know, go up and then gravity pull you back down, but you can actually stay at a cruising altitude of 30,000, 40,000 feet because the law of gravity is broken because of the law of lift. So by default, every one of us, the Bible says, are under the curse of the law of sin and death. You, my friend, were born into the law of sin and death. When you were born, you came out, you were conceived in, your mama lived in the law of sin and death. It was there. But there's a wonderful law. It's called the law of the life of Christ. And it breaks that breaks that, that cycle of gravity, if you will. It breaks off that, that default law of sin and death in our life. And if you're not careful, you can easily find yourself reverting back to the law of sin and death. You can find yourself quickly getting oppressed and discouraged. You feel the weight of that. But there's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that you and I can operate by that supersedes. It's like sailing on eagle's wings. You can mount up on eagle's wings. You can begin to see things through a different perspective. You begin to live a different kind of life. You begin to live a spirit-filled, supernatural life in Christ Jesus. You see the, the possibilities of faith. So there's another law called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that's built into this covenant of faith. And then lastly, fourthly, inside the covenant of faith, there's a law called the royal law. Jesus said in answer to what is the greatest commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. You love Him with everything. You love your neighbor as yourself. James calls it the royal law. It's the law of the love of God. That God is love. The very essence of who He is is breathed into the fabric of the covenant that He's made with you and I because it's Himself. He's covenanting with you and I Himself. This isn't some abstract piece of paper. It's not just printed paper and with good binding and a leather cover. That's not what the covenant it is. The covenant is the manifestation of God Himself, the very person and the essence of love Himself, birthed in a, in a, out, of a, out of a virgin girl's body came the Son of God for you and I. You and I can behold Him, can touch Him, can see Him. It's the covenant. It's not just words on a page. The covenant is living in my heart. 
The covenant is living in my life. The covenant is a relationship that I have with the Father. So this royal love, this royal law of love is not just something that's abstract. It's not just words on a page. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 5, that the Holy Spirit sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. So who, who God is, the nature of who he is, the essence of who he is, the, the promises of who he is, the truth of who he is, the reality of who he is, all of it becomes real to us us and our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So this royal law of love constrains everything that happens in the kingdom, whether it's from spiritual gifts or, or the, the gifts of God to you and I or, or the word of the Lord to us or salvation, the, about everything. Tell somebody next to you, everything. Everything in the kingdom operates by the royal law. Faith operates by love. Faith operates by love. Spiritual gifts operate by love. Ministry happens because of love. All of it functions because of love. And when you step outside of those boundaries of love, now, love is not always gushy, ushy, wushy feeling. Woo, I feel happy. Right? Sometimes love says, I got to tell you the hard thing. Sometimes love says, I'm, I'm offended by you and I need to face it and I need you to forgive me. Wow, y'all got quiet on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes love is saying, I don't quite understand why you did the thing that you did, but I'm choosing to love you. I'm, I'm committed to you. I'm part of the body. We're going to work together. We're going to build the kingdom together. And when you operate in faith, when you understand that this covenant of faith operates in love, no longer are you trying to prove anything. Well, i got to have more faith to prove something. Right? Yeah, wow, I got quiet in here. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still struggling with sickness in my body, so i I've, I got to have more faith. That's how, how faith works. You can't, you can't believe enough of believing to have faith. Believing just doesn't start. The, the devils believe a lot, but they don't have faith. Come on now, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. I gotta, I, I'm, not, I'm not living the superior Christian life that I should be living. I'm, I'm not meeting Pastor Zach. His, his expectations are just, you know, they're, they're high and I'm just not meeting them. I'm failing and I'm... I, Yeah. Yeah. But we do that and we try to prove. Trash it. Put it down the spiritual toilet. That's not within the, the love. You're placing boundaries on yourself and expectations on yourself that God's never set. And quite frankly, if you say that about me, then you don't know me either. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth here. 
I have high hopes for you. I believe that God wants to do the miraculous in and through your life. I believe that you can walk in faith. I, you know, somebody, we were in a meeting not that long ago, and somebody was saying, Pastor, will you remember when I, when I blew it and I did all this and this and this, and they started describing all the things that they supposedly blew. I'm like, and I looked at the person and I said, I have no idea what you're even talking about. I think I would have to go back in my memory reserve somewhere. My memory recall is not that good. I can't, I don't. I'd prefer you not shout me down on that one. <laughs> By faith, I have great memory. There we go. <laughs> no. I, but I don't keep a record of wrongs. I, don't, I, don't, I do not have the holy grail of everything you did wrong in my back office. <laughs> Kathy Millward wants a meeting. Oh, brother, let me pull out the book. And isn't it good to know that God doesn't do that? He doesn't do that. He doesn't keep a record of your wrongs. I grew, I grew up in church. I'm going to wrap this up. But I, I grew up, or I'm going to get in trouble if I don't. I'm, I grew up in church, and I thought, you know, Jesus was coming back any Sunday, and he could. You know, but I, I had this idea, Jesus could come back tomorrow. And if I, if I said one little thing or did one little thing, out of order, I was not going to heaven. I, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody else grew up in, in that type of uh, religious environment, but it, I was terrified. I thought, I mean, every day, I was like, Lord, forgive me, I don't want to go to hell. I mean, every day, I was terrified. And, and what was terrifying for me was that I didn't want to go to hell. I had missed the whole reality of the love of God. God's love is not a license to sin by any means. But His love is much greater than just one stupid, sinful mistake. If you're living in sin, that's a whole other issue. But we're talking about being changed and transformed. Sometimes we struggle with our justification and it stops our sanctification. We forget that we're justified by faith and we move into works. Well, I got to pray every day. I got to check every, you know, I got to have a devotional every day. I got to pull out one of those daily bread things every day and read the scripture and stick it on my forehead and walk around. <laughs> scripture, I mean, whatever, I don't know, whatever you do that you feel like you got to check the box or God's going to be unhappy with you. And now you're going to hell because God's unhappy with you. Hell is a very real place. It is. Sin is a very real thing. It is. But so is the love of God. A life of faith. A life of faith 
just dives into the ocean of God's love. And can I tell you that when you are in, lost in the ocean of his love, none of that other stuff even matters anyway. All the stuff you find yourself like you're, I got to repent over that. I got to repent over that. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. All of that washes away in his love. All, yeah, Siri, be quiet. All of that washes away in his love. One moment. And all of a sudden you're like, I, you don't even have the desire to check all the boxes. You're lost in Him. He's changing you. He's working in you. He's renewing you. Is this helping anybody this morning? So this is all the foundation to understanding faith. If you can understand the covenant that you're a part of, I, I still haven't got to Hebrews 11.1 1 yet. <laughs> But if you can understand, if you get these, these basic laws that you've heard over and over and over again, if you've been in church for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard these. But these are the foundation to how faith works in your life. If you understand this, I'm saved by faith, not by works. The love of God is for me, not against me. He's changing me, transforming me. He's made me his own. He's adopted me. He's made every spiritual blessing available. He's giving me his identity, his name. If you can understand this, get this into your spirit, then when we get to, after Father's Day, Hebrews 11, now faith is. See where that goes? Everything looks different. Now, faith is not believing enough, working enough, checking all the boxes. Faith is imparted by God through redemption. It starts with redemption. And we begin to steward that faith. We begin to, we're stewards of that. And it can grow, it can increase, it can multiply in our life. And then, before you know it, that faith that's operating in your life begins to affect people around you. Faith, you have faith when you get born again, you have faith for your redemption. That's it. You have, you have no idea that the gift of God is available to everyone else around you. You get born again, and you have faith for your redemption in that moment. And then all of a sudden, that little bit of faith begins to multiply. And you begin to see, man, if God did this for me, what can he do for others? Right? If God can heal me, what can he do for others? And then you begin to have faith for what God can do in other people's lives. And so your faith then begins to affect other people. It's not just singular and changing you. It's changing other. Faith's not complete till it's shared. It has to be shared. Faith is always being shared. That's the principle of a kingdom. It's all the kingdom. It's always being shared. Anyway, I could go on. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I still, I, gosh, there's so much I want to give you. That was half a page. So wait, we were now through a whole page. So, and remember, I still have five or six pages, and I still haven't got to Hebrews eleven three. Four, five, and get through the rest. My goal is to get through the end of the chapter, so that's where we're going. I want to, I want to, I want to get through the end of Hebrews eleven, and I haven't even got to verse one, and we're two weeks into this. 
So we'll see where this goes. Thank you by faith, right? Hallelujah. I, I just sense the Holy Spirit. There's, you need, um, you're here this morning, you need a breakthrough in a relationship. It could be, a, it could be an uncle. Um, I'm just as I'm standing here, the just Holy Spirit, there's an uncle that you have a relay or a uh, brother. You have a brother or uncle you have a relationship with that's intention. You need breakthrough. Come on. Any kind of relationship you need breakthrough in. Come on. <laughs>